Welcome to the Mortgage and Mindset in Minutes podcast, and I'm your host, Tiffany Rose, where you'll get a little on mortgage and a lot on mindset. Hey, everybody. So I'm so excited to talk with Patrice Sandstrom today with Keller Williams. And we wanted to touch on several different things, and we may end up kind of chopping this up. So if you're seeing bits and pieces of it, it's because we want to kind of create that content and keep everyone focused and eye on the prize, which is homeownership and educating the community. So I'm going to kind of run through some questions with Patrice and uh, have her give us her words of wisdom. So thank you so much, Patrice. I know you're so busy and I thank you for taking the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to meet you. We were connected because someone said that we were very much in alignment with our mindset and the way that we work. And so it's exciting. We are getting to know each other literally live. So I think it'll be really nice for people to get a chance to see who we truly are. And so thank you for this opportunity. Oh, no problem. I love it. I love it. So the one uh, thing I wanted to address right away is, you know, everyone is freaked out about this market. And, you know, I'm just going to wait for the houses to crash. And I'm just waiting for, you know, rates are up and we're in this bubble and I'm hearing this kind of narrative that's out there and I don't personally agree with it because we're not in this 2008 Nagam bubble where there's bad loans and interest onlys and recasting and all these things uh, going on. I think we're actually in a really exciting time, but it's like getting the community to educate, get that education, understand it. So I wanted your opinion on, do you feel like we're about to have a housing market crash again? Okay. So I will share kind of my thoughts. Um, and I won't specifically say my opinion, but I'll give you the data and you can kind of see where I'm going. Uh, so number one, I do believe that we're going to see some changes in the market. I think that I always say that the market is a living, breathing being anyway. And it's true. It's always changing. And it's all kinds of factors from environmental to um, whatever's happening locally. Um, I'm obsessed with tracking. So even when we've seen like hurricanes and that shooting in Vegas, there was like a, there was a month and a half that we couldn't sell houses that we had a really hot market before and we had a really hot market after. So I believe that everything affects the housing market. There's no doubt that there are things going on in our world that are absolutely part of this factor. So one of it is the yucky stuff, like the war, the housing, the prices of gas and some inflation, and maybe some of that political turmoil that we're seeing out there. So that's number one. The second thing you guys is, and this is what I predicted last summer, which went, got a little slower and this summer, is we all had a free summer from COVID. This is our first really, truly free summer that we've had in a very long time. So part of the slowdown that we've seen is really just the freedom of people were out of school and were able to travel to Europe to see their families for the first time in a really long time. So we're going to see what happens when we get back to real life. But I truly believe, and I predicted, and you can ask most of my clients, we held off on our listings, we're holding everything till the end of July because we assumed that everyone would be traveling. We were in a very strong seller's market. And what that means for buyers is that every weekend they would come out, they put their heart on the line, they'd write a really amazing letter, they'd ask everyone they knew to give them money, they were signing away their rights, their contingencies, they're taking these big bold risks, they're putting their heart on the line. And then on Tuesday, they get kicked back to the curb and say, come back again. And these guys were, some of them were driving an hour and a half or two hours to see these houses month after month, week after week, whatever it is. And at some point it doesn't become worth it anymore when you can choose being with your family, right? So when kids get out of school, you're like, I, I can't handle this anymore. I'm just gonna have to come back to it later. I still want a house. However, there are some things that are my priority now. So I think that that's part of it. It happened last summer as well. 
and it did pick up in the fall. So I absolutely believe that we're going to have a renewed fall. I believe that late summer, maybe mid-August through the end of September, I think we're going to start seeing people coming back. Number one is the factor that I mentioned. Number two is that, again, it's living and breathing. When people hear that the prices have softened, which they absolutely are, we're seeing huge price reductions. We haven't seen this in years. So this is actually exciting for me. I know that sounds funny, but it is. Because what happens is, is it's changing the program. There are a lot of buyers, VAs, FHAs, a lot of buyers that were just pushed out. If you didn't have all cash and weren't willing to waive all of your contingencies, so my engineering clients, they weren't comfortable buying in this market. So we're just seeing some changes where different people will be able to buy. And when the news starts reporting that, oh my God, the prices are going down, that's going to bring some people back. So that's where I believe we're going to see this renewed fall. Now, once we hit October 31st, once we hit Halloween, people's priorities change again. The same as I talked about for COVID in summer is I think we're going to lose a lot of those buyers again. So I think we're going to see a gentle roller coaster. Um, and as far as correction and prices go, if we looked at statistics, because I'm obsessed with patterns, 100 years from now, and we saw that a market went up 30% and came back down 30% and continued on its natural, we all would think that was incredibly natural and normal. That's what's happened statistically. Now, when you're in the middle of it and it goes back down, it feels very uncomfortable. And so fear is going to come out. And you and I spoke a little bit before that fear is really what drives our market a lot as well. Yes. When people are optimistic, people are helpful are ready to buy. When people get into fear, they get scared and they sit. And unfortunately, that's where we are now. Now, fear is where the opportunity is, is because you really want to be buying where everyone else isn't. So what I love about this market for the buyers that we have, and I have never, I haven't worked with buyers in years myself. I've run a team and I just do the sellers. I love buyers right now because this is a market that we can actually negotiate. You can actually investigate a home. You can actually find your dream home before you just took whatever house they finally gave you. People were buying anything that they could at any price that they could. So this is a beautiful market. This is like my favorite kind of a market where a buyer can decide. And by the way, yes, the rates are high. And I believe those will come down as well. I believe that they overcorrected. And if you'd like, I'll give you my opinion on why they did it the way that they did. Um, and I do believe it will come back and those people can refinance and they're going to get a home that they love. You guys, I haven't been able to tell anyone that you could get a home that you love in years because you took whatever you could get. So and, you know, that's what it's, I love. It's so true because there's uh, you know, what I kind of mentioned before is marry the house, date the rate. Yeah. And everybody is, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people that I speak to, they're so uh worried about the interest rates going up. And let me tell you, Alice is on my team. I have a team as well, Team Tiffany. And um, Alice is on my team. She has she bought a house for 18% rate, you know, way back when in Alamo, and now it is paid off. And she's lived in it forever. And she said, Tiff, do you think I really care that I had 18%? My house is paid off. It's worth a fortune. And so did that 18% matter? No. So she married the house. She dated the rate. And, you know, she said she refinanced once rates went down, you know, way back when. And she's happy as a camper. And she's basically, you know, kind of retired. She just works because it's her passion and it's fun for her. And she um, does a great amount of business still. So, you know, that interest rate doesn't necessarily matter. Now, of course... I know that it matters when it comes to like, hey, well, Tiff, I got qualified in December at a 3%. And now you're telling me it's 6%. Well, you know, and this is all hypothetical, you know, not, not to quote exact rates, of course. But, you know, there is opportunity now, like what we're seeing, which you kind of touched on. I love this sellers, uh, the changes between seller and buyer market now where we're seeing the market kind of soften. And because sellers, I just did a video on Friday about maybe not doing price reductions, but offering 
credits towards temporary buy-downs so you can buy your sellers can buy the buyer's rate down to make it affordable where they can start out at a three something or four percent and i mean how cool is that that we can see the homeowners work together instead of like everybody wave everything and that's all there is to it and you're going to get this house that you don't even really like because you're just desperate you know so what do you think about that do you agree yeah, 100%. So I've been doing this a long time and seller credits were always a really big part of my strategy back in the day. And again, we've lost that art of negotiation in this market. Basically, we did whatever the sellers told us to, right? And we had to do whatever that was what it took to get a house. And by the way, great for those people that found a home. Great. If you have a great rate, you're going to keep that for a long time. My point is, is that we have to find the positive in whatever situation we have. Yeah. And there are always pros to match with the cons. If you focus only in the cons, then yeah, you can be fearful. The reality though, is there are a lot of amazing things about this market that are just really gonna be a great idea. And uh, my thought on the rates, by the way, of why I- That's what I was gonna ask you now. <laughs> is, so th there are a lot of people that are a heck of a lot smarter than me. I track patterns and I'm obsessed with a lot of things. However, there's always a reason for it. and anything I can see anyone else can. And so we're like, why did the, why did they make the rates go up so much? In my opinion, at first I was like, that was really foolish because they're putting a stop to our market. It would have been easier if they trickled it. However, if you think about again, and you and I talk about psychology and kind of the way that our brains work, if we are already having a lot of yucky stuff in the world and we keep giving more yucky stuff, it's really only perpetuating yucky stuff. And so I'm hoping that someone was smart enough to think, you know what, we're actually gonna make a change we're gonna go as far as we think it needs to go. And we're gonna put a worst case scenario because we need something to stop. And it's easier than to save the day. And then we can start seeing some optimism. So I think what we're going to see is, yes, that was really painful. And for a minute, I thought it was stupid. And now the way I look at it, I go, you know what? I kind of get it because sometimes it's easier just to see the worst case scenario and then to save the day. And I think we're gonna start seeing some of that optimism when the rates fluctuate, because that's really the way that it should be, in my opinion. We yeah. should have a fluctuating rate market. We do need people to make interest on their money. That encourages people to save more. This is what gives us a healthy economy. This is why people come here from other countries to put their money in. So we do need that. We also need on the other side. And so I think we're gonna see going back to, to jumping forward and back. And again, when you talk about marry the house date, the market, you're looking for a forever home. That rate will likely change unless you have a two point something, try and never get rid of that. <laughs> yeah. but, but typically, right, you get into the house and then you make your best decision. And yes, you have a few costs with associated with refinance, but it's minuscule. We're talking about sellers markets where buyers are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last comparable. We're talking about a few thousand dollars to refinance and then you're in the home that you love. I think that's a win-win personally. Well, and what I've seen is I've been doing this for, um, you know, over 20 years now, amazingly, it's crazy to say that, but um, what we're seeing is, you know, now people are getting equity lines because they don't want to lose their two something or three something percent. But what's going to happen because I've been there before when I owned multiple, multiple properties in 2008, too many for me being in my twenties and thinking I was like a little mini real, real estate, uh, you know, um, mogul, but uh, I would get equity lines and then go buy another house. But then I hated that it was interest only. It was tied to prime. It was going all over the place. Then consolidating that is what I'm thinking in a couple of years, we're going to see people they are like, whoa, I pulled out a two, three, four hundred thousand dollar equity line and it's at six, seven percent. And I don't even care about that first because now my second is interest only and it's stagnant. So we're going to see people wanting to refinance and consolidate that because a blended payment, sure. the blended rate makes more sense. So, you know, there's always going to be change in the market and to try to time the best 
house and the best price for it with the best rate, the best time to buy, you're just going to get analysis paralysis and you're going to be renting forever. I mean, all the things, the opportunities that I look back, I'm like, I should have, I'm a real estate investor and I should have bought more real estate. And there's opportunities I passed up because I thought it wasn't that good of a deal, or maybe I should just wait. And wow, did I miss out on some great opportunities? So I don't want, you know, the community to keep missing out and keep getting afraid. And, you know, you and I were talking about that mindset piece. Do you feel like that's, I feel like it is, but one of your bigger strength of course you as a professional studying the patterns in the marketing knowing that data and information is huge as a real, uh, real estate agent but also just you on a personal level having that mindset what do you feel like how do you feel like that helps your clients because i feel like it's huge oh gosh 100 i mean the reality is is that a lot of people they just look for the problems and when you look for problems you you stay in that and you cannot solve a problem at the same place that it was created so you have to be able to look for solutions so i believe that being a solution a solutions oriented uh agent is really what's important and um one of the things that we spoke about is that changing market i i i began when the market was hard i thought that that was an advantage for me i got in in 2005 2006 late 2005 2006 and that was when we had a market similar to this one the agents basically sold the house to whoever they wanted to get it to back in the day. And everyone else felt really left out. And when the market changed, I was like, nobody knows what's going on. Everyone, everything is open, right? And so we would write offers, aggressive offers. And, you know, and a lot of people left the industry and then um, didn't come back until it got easy. So I would say, whether it's me or someone else, look for a solutions-based agent, someone who thrives on I don't want to say the chaos because I'm certainly not looking for chaos and I've loved thriving in both, but whatever market it's in, it's a good market. This is housing. We're not selling toaster ovens that you convince someone. We're selling houses. We're selling family. We're selling experiences. We're selling community. And this is really what it is. And I think that, yes, there's an important um, aspect regarding the finances and the stability, but let's face it, over time, we have to stop looking at this and making our judgment based on a snapshot of today. We have to look at what does my life look like today? What does it look like 10 years from now? And what did it look like 10 years before? And make decisions based on that determination because you're gonna be living somewhere. Yeah. You're gonna be paying something. Rent is certainly not cheap by any means. So, you know, I think sometimes people get focused on what happened yesterday and what do they say? Like the best time to plant a tree is yesterday and the second best time is today. So I think we just have to stop kicking ourselves, stop being in judgment of what we didn't do and instead leverage like what is our opportunity and look at it that way. So absolutely. And rents, you know, they they are predicted to go up because it's a housing supply and demand. So when people say, oh, I'm just going to keep renting. Well, guess what? When you get your rent that's going up, I'd rather have my rate go up on my house then that I own and I'm getting that tax write up and all those things rather than rather than paying my landlord's house off because there's a quote about that you're going to buy a house you know sooner or later whether it's for your landlord or for yourself so you know the rents in this area especially in California do you agree that supply and demand is pretty much what's driving the market now it well that's what drives every market we're a capitalist society and by the way let's think about the other factors I mean, the buyers are going to ebb and flow, but they're the same amount of humans. In fact, we're only increasing. So the land is not growing. The human population is. The other thing is our resources are dwindling, right? You know, we're not planting. I don't mean to get all environmentalists on us, but like we're not planting. Enough trees. The prices of wood has increased. We have more wars. There are more as there are more tragedies. I don't know what to say. We're going to need more of these resources. So housing prices were just about supply and demand at some point, but 
how can they not go up when the resources to build a house go up, right? So I think that's something that we're seeing that we hadn't considered before COVID because all of those prices have gone up in such a way that it's actually more expensive to build a house than it is to buy a house. Like, hello, right? The opportunity is today. Like when you sit there kicking yourself and you go, wait a minute, if the price of wood is three times what it used to be and the housing prices have gone up 30%, maybe it's not quite as bad as I was thinking. Now, and again, part of it is our Bay Area. We have a bubble. We have the Silicon Valley, which by the way, the more techie we get and the more separated we get, the more those companies thrive. That is what we're kind of leading to. We also have San Francisco. It's a very international city. So I believe that we are somewhat protected. So we have a bubble inside of whatever the housing bubble is. And we've seen that last time as well. Um, I think people have to choose communities that they feel like they can build because I think people are just as responsible. The reason that some communities are more expensive is because they have better community. People volunteer in the schools. If you're worried about your community, go volunteer in the school, help do something because we're actually in control. So we've seen a lot of cities that were CB cities that have turned into like BAB cities and those will continue to thrive. I think even more than some of the old ones because there are new communities. There's young families, there's new people that have moved in. And I think if those people start building that community, then we're going to then it kind of doesn't matter what happens with pricing because it's going to continue to appreciate because you're actually adding value. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you know, I, I love it. You're a wealth of information. I love it so much. And it's so on par with how I feel because, you know, some, some people, you know, and I don't say these things to like pressure people to stop renting and you have to buy and hurry up and, you know, feel that pressure. But it's a real thing. When I was going through a divorce and I rented an apartment, nothing gave me more stability than buying this house that I live in now and creating these memories with my kids. And I got way more equity than I did on my 401k or my IRAs. Actually, they're all have been going down recently. So my house has doubled in value since I moved in in 2017. My real estate that I bought, you know, other properties I have, nothing has given me more security. So people get afraid to buy a house because of all those factors that you just mentioned. But actually, that's something that you know, if you buy stock and it goes away, you have no money. If you buy a house and it depreciates, you still have a door you can go knock on. You have something you can rent out. You have someone paying down the debt or you have a roof over your head. You can rent out rooms. You can figure out things, you know, get creative, add an ADU into your backyard. There's so many things you can do and security that a house provides you that you don't get that with the 401k or buying, you know, stock and putting all your eggs in one basket. So, you no, know, and I'll, I have a comment on that as well. It doesn't matter what happens to your price, house price if you're not selling it at that market. To be yeah. honest, a seller who intends to stay in their house for a very long time should want it to be lower for as much as possible. Their property taxes are going to be lower. Some of their other expenses will actually go down. They'll save, they could save a few thousand dollars a year if their property taxes go down because it's based on, right, on the assessment of their value. So when the prices go down, it's actually less expensive for a homeowner to home, own their home. It's only, it's only their perception that is slightly damaged, or if they're selling their house, obviously for less then then we could have a market that we've seen before. And you and I spoke about that and we're not in the same place. Everyone has equity now. We didn't have equity all of those years ago because people had bought with zero equity and then the market went down. We don't have that anymore. Our re lending restrictions are a heck of a lot firmer than they ever were. Most people do have a lot of equity in their home, a lot, a lot of equity in their home as it is. They bought with equity and then the market went up. So I think there will be very few people that will end up short selling or having foreclosures. I think we may see some of those if the market continues to go down, just not at the rate that we did before. Right. 
And even then, what we saw in 2008 is that rents went up because people were losing their houses or, you know, so then it's like, well, wait, you don't want to be on the renting side of it either. So, you know, I can't, can't stress that enough. And uh, I absolutely love everything you have to have to say and have to share. And I appreciate that we're so aligned with all of these things. And, you know, educating the community is one of my huge, huge, huge passions. And I feel like it's so lacking. And, and this is very, very helpful. I hope everyone watching and listening finds it helpful. So thank you, Patrice. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do, please share it with someone you feel could use it. And if you're interested in exploring possibilities, you can find me at trose at guildmortgage.net or text to 925-699-TIFF. Like, share, subscribe. And I would be honored if you connect with me on Facebook at Loans by Tiffany uh, and my YouTube channel for lots of information. And remember, every goal in life has to start with the right mindset. Thanks for listening.